I'm really excited to introduce Conan and Lindy Pinkston uh, today, and we have known Conan and Lindy, gosh, for years and years and years. So Lindy was our children's pastor way back in the day, in uh, 2000 to 2006, and about 01, they got married and then were part of the original training school for us. In 06, they left to go plant a church in Hawaii, and so uh, then after nine years have come back and have been here the last year, and it's awesome, and we're just... Uh, getting to, uh, you know, we would go visit them. Those were tough pastoral visits. It really is a hard place. People like kind of dog Hawaii, like, oh yeah, I want that calling. But man, it's it's a it's a difficult place to plant churches and stuff. And so I'm just really thankful for their consistent, faithful love for Jesus over the long haul. And we love you guys. And uh, first of all, let's give a warm CF welcome to Conan Pinkston. First of all. So good morning. So Lenny and I are excited to have the uh, opportunity to speak this morning. Um, I'm going to kick it off, and then uh, Lenny's going to come up here and do some real preaching, all right? So just a little bit more about us. I'm a civil engineer. I work for a heavy construction firm. I had a full-time job in Hawaii, and of course, I work today here. And we have three boys, Joshua, Joa, and uh, Jonathan. They're 13, 11, and um, 8. Never a dull moment at our house. So anyway. The topic this morning is going to be about surrender. And I know uh, everyone loves the idea behind surrendering, don't we? Big smile, big smile. It's not really the American way, is it? It is, however, God's way. So let's pray before we get started. So Father God, we do. We just thank you for this morning uh, to be here and have the opportunity to be in your presence. Ask that you'd come and make yourself known, that you'd open our hearts and our minds to receive all that you have for us, that we would surrender our way to your way for your plans and purposes. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The dictionary defines surrender in the following ways. It says to yield to the possession or power of another, to give oneself up, to give up, abandon, or relinquish, to yield or resign. That sounds like fun, doesn't it? Most of us, we don't do those things all that well, do we? We want what we want when we want it. It's called the flesh. But God calls us to live by His Spirit, not our flesh. Romans chapter 8 talks about being ruled by the Spirit and what comes as a result of living that way. So Romans 8, verses 5 and 6, those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what their sinful nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The version on my phone says, those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. I'm a pretty simple guy. Live by the flesh equates to death. Living by the Spirit equates to life and peace. So the sermon in a sentence this morning is when we surrender our life to what God has us to do, we position ourselves for blessing. Love the first line in Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life. It's not about you, and it's not about me either. Life's not about us. It's about Him, 
and his plans and purposes in and through us for his name and for his glory. Amen? It's not easy. It wasn't easy for Jesus, and it won't be easy for you either. Oftentimes, it takes a step of faith, a willingness to step out of the boat, as Peter did on the Sea of Galilee. When I was still single in my, in, in my mid-30s, I had what I considered to be uh, a salvation, my salvation experience. I had accepted Jesus many years earlier, but this was a significant moment, a turning point for me in my relationship with the Lord. I had recently moved back to Texas from California and had reconnected with Jesus at a Christian lectureship at Pepperdine in Malibu, California. My mom, she made me go. It changed my life. Upon moving back to Texas, I got involved with church like I had never done before. For the first time in my life, going to church was fun. It was great. My life was good. I soon came to realize, though, that I was trying to serve two masters. Jesus wanted my whole heart, mind, and soul. And although I had a great job, it, too, wanted all that I had. I struggled to serve two masters. Finally, after much prayer and counsel, I quit my job of eight years. An older saint had told me that sometimes you just have to step out of the boat. It wasn't easy. I struggled with the decision. I finally came to a place of peace, though. I made a choice that I believe positioned me for blessing, although I didn't know that at the time. About a year later, I went back to work for the same company, but with a mutual understanding of what my involvement would be. A few short years later, I find myself, I'm in my early 40s, I find myself married with two small children. Can you say thank you, Jesus? My wife, she's always had a heart for missions. Me, not so much. Don't misunderstand me. I've always had a heart for missionaries. I just never felt a burning desire to be one. This was the source of some friction in our marriage from time to time. Understatement on my part. Several, several events happened to us individually that softened our hearts over time to be surrendered to what God's will for our lives would be. Oftentimes, life is a process. For my wife, she realized it was going to be okay if she never went to the mission field. For me, I became open to the idea of being on the mission field. I remember telling my wife, I felt I'd had a word from the Lord, that by the time I turned 45 years old, we were, going to stop, we were either going to be somewhere or we were going to stop talking about it. And we were going to plug in and be a part of Fort Worth, Texas, and all that God was going to have us do here in this place, right? So we both kind of had this moment of coming to terms with where we were in life. Shortly thereafter, our friends Britt and Vicki Mitchell, their longtime Christ Fellowship elder and staff here, they came over and had dinner with us and told us that they believed God was calling them to plant a church in Honolulu, Hawaii. They no sooner had left the house that my wife sat down on the couch and said, so... What do you think about moving to Hawaii? And she had asked me that very same question five years earlier when we had gone to Kauai on our honeymoon. And my answer was an emphatic no. Not now, not ever kind of thing, right? <laughs> so that was, that was my answer. And so I, I was fixing to respond to her question. And at that moment, a Tonka toy truck, the kind that you push buttons and it says stuff, it's packed in a bag of toys behind the chair, and it goes off. 
It goes, 10-4, we're on the move. We're moving, we're moving, we're moving. I mean, it was weird. I'm just saying it was weird, right? It didn't stop until I got up out of the chair and picked it up and turned it off. Many other things took place that let us know and confirmed what we knew that first night. We moved to Hawaii a year later. I turned 45 years old, six months after arriving in Hawaii. God is good. My encouragement to you this morning is to trust Jesus to be who He says He is, to surrender your life to Him, to position yourself for the blessing that He has for you with the big things, with the little things. I'm going to leave you with a quote from Andrew Murray. God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life that is wholly yielded to Him. Thank you. So I pray this transition from Him to me is, is easy. But it's, it's so true, guys. Um, our default is not surrender. It, it really, it's control. And I, don't, I guess me and Conan are very controlling people because we both have just lots of experiences when God met us when we surrendered to Him. And that's kind of why... Um, when Jamie asked us to preach several months ago, um, pretty much quickly we knew what we were going to talk about, and I've had so many moments since then, like big moments of, of, of opportunities, again, to practice what surrender looks like. And so we're excited, because this is good news this morning before we um, preach in the first service, and I'm more laid back here. I can go a little longer. I, I felt a little rushed in the first service, but not now. <laughs> so hold on. <laughs> I didn't get through all my notes. He goes, you didn't cover everything. I'm like, I oh, know. Just wait. No. Um, but she, she was talking about how good surrender is good news. And this is not a bummer message like, oh, great, they're going to tell us what i got to give up again. No, this is like when we really surrender our lives to the Lord, we are positioning ourselves for some serious blessing from the Lord because He is good. He's for us. He's not going to abandon us. He's got our backs. He knows your future. He knows your history. And so this morning is really good news. We're going to talk about Jesus this morning. Um, you know, I prayed about, there's so many examples in the Bible, people that surrendered lives, and God specifically directed me to the Garden of Gethsemane, so we're going to talk about um, what it looked like for Jesus to surrender. Before I go on, you know, this weekend I was driving over to my parents one morning, and I was just like, Lord, is there anything else about the surrender piece that we were missing? And that Chris Tomlin song came on, at the cross, at the cross I surrender my life, I'm in awe of you, I'm in awe of you. And the Lord just said, surrendering your heart positions you to be able to surrender your life in everyday situations. And I'm saying today, if you haven't surrendered your heart, this is going to be hard. It's going to be hard to surrender your family and your job situation if you've never fully given your heart to Jesus and said, I trust you with my life. So we're going, we're, that's going to be weaved throughout, throughout today. And right now we're going to look at Matthew 26. Verse 36 through 45, I'm going to read it to you guys. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. S stay here with me and keep watch. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and, and to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. 
yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body or the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he found them again sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them, and he went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. And then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Verse 38. We're just going to kind of break this apart a little bit. Jesus brings James and John and Peter, his, his closest companions, and he says, just come with me, come, come be with me. He's like, my heart, I'm sorrowful. I'm hopeless to the point of death. The Son of Man, the Son of God, both, right? I think sometimes we look at Jesus and we think he's like a little robot, and he really, he's really more God than human, and so we really can't relate to him. But that's not truth. This story shows you what it looks like for the Son of God to surrender. Have you ever been there? Completely hopeless in a situation. Completely, you know you need to surrender something, but you just can't, you're just holding on. You're like, I, I don't know if I can trust the Lord in this. And it can be something little, it can be something really big. But you know, you, what you do in the littles is what you're going to do in the big. You know, Jamie, not Jamie, Jamie talks about this too, but Randy specifically talked about this a couple weeks ago, about joining God and, and how life is about the little things, because it determines what you do. Joyce Meyer, you know, life's a journey. Have joy in the journey. This, you're on the journey. We're on the journey, right? And this is an example of what it looked like for Jesus to be sorrowful to the point of death. You know, I have... Um, I have friends who've been in such physical pain that they're just like, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. My mom is here, my mom and dad, and she's had health issues. And there's been times when she just feels hopeless. But she doesn't give up. She surrenders, right? Verse 39, he fell on his face. And he continues and he goes, my father, if it is possible for me, this cup be taken from me. He's like, is there any other way? This was the cup he had talked about in the Lord's Supper that, that just right before this passage. And he said, this is my body given. This is my blood. The bread is my body, the blood, the wine. And he's saying, Lord, is there any other way this can be done? Is there any other, is there any other way? Because the father is going to lay on him all the vile, evil, horrible things any man has ever thought and done on him. And he's going to be separated from the Father. I think that's why he was so sorrowful. Yes, the physical pain that he was going to endure is beyond any of us. I mean, I remember when my kids were little, we talk about being martyrs, and they're like, we never want to go to China because we don't want to be martyred, you know. I mean, and I'm like, no, it's not going to be that way. But we, 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 the physical pain many times we, we focus on with Jesus. But I think a lot of this was 
his knowing he's going to be separated from the Father. This cup was deep sorrow and suffering. It refers to the Father, like I said, turning his face on him and making him who had no sin to have sin. So we go on. So he says, if there's, is, is there any other way? But then he resolves himself, not my will, but yours. And then he goes back and finds his, his besties asleep. I mean, hello, how would y'all feel? You bring your closest friends to, to encourage you, and they're asleep. And he's like, Are, you can't watch with me for an hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, I've been, I've been meditating on these scriptures this week. And I really believe he may have been saying that to encourage himself. I talked about in the first service how, I mean, I encourage myself in the Lord. I talk to myself. I walk around saying, no, this isn't a situation. God, you're going to, you promise in your Bible that you'll bring good in any situation for those who are called according to your purpose. And I'm called according to your purpose. So you're going to make good come out of this situation. I did this last night in my house. In my bedroom, I was praying about something. I'm like, you're going to make good come out of this. I encourage myself in the Lord. And I believe he was trying to encourage himself. Yes, Jesus, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yes, the spirit is willing. I can do this. And there comes a time I'm so for community. I've had some of my biggest breakthroughs with friends surrounding me, holding me up, praying for me. There'll be times in Hawaii I'd be so discouraged and call someone back here, my sister, and just be like, this is hard. I've been praying for you. There's times for that, but there comes a time when it's you and him. I remember someone telling me before we went on the mission field, if you can't encourage yourself in the Lord by yourself without anybody else, then you may not need to go. And I was like, it is so true. And for you guys, to, to do the long haul, you need to know how to get with the Lord, and it's you and him. Jesus, this was a battle between he and not a battle between him and the Lord, but a battle between him and surrender. And it is a battle. If the Son of God had to go three times back and pray, not my will, but yours be done, he goes back. Not my will, but yours be done. It says he goes back a third time, and he doesn't wake him up the third time. He just goes back by himself, and he resolves himself. Many times before your breakthrough with surrender, you will feel hopelessness. You will want to give up. You will say, this isn't worth it. Jesus, just come get me now. Or I can't do this. Hopelessness will steal our joy. But many times it's what precedes breakthrough. I do believe this passage was the breakthrough for Jesus. I believe when he, he stood up and he went and got them the very last time he said they're here, he was resolved. He, it was done. If, if you look, he goes through floggings. He goes through standing in testimony, keeping his mouth shut. How many times can we not keep our mouth shut when something little irritates us? But the Holy Spirit was on him, and he was resolved to, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to trust the Father, and even when on the cross and I don't feel his presence, and I don't know, and I trust him, even though my flesh is saying, no, no. And you know the enemy was right there. You know he was in there whispering lies to him. You don't have to do this. There's other ways. But he trusted the Father. Like the sermon in the sentence says, when we surrender our life to what God has called us to do, we position ourselves for blessing. Guys, I'm just here to say, life goes on. There's times when a circumstance in your life is not the way you want it, and you just, 
you don't do anything about it, and it kind of it may, it may resolve itself even for your good. But you miss the opportunity of the blessing of the Father. You miss the opportunity of seeing him come in and come to your rescue and making it better. You know, I was thinking about it like a tool belt. Like we all need tool belts of stories of the Father. Because your mom, your husband, your bestie, I mean, they ain't going to do it in the day when it's you and him. And you're in your room and you're having a really hard struggle with something. You got to pull your tool belt out and go, I remember that time the Lord was faithful. I remember that time I trusted him and I didn't know how the Lord was going to provide. And he showed up like this. And you encourage yourself in the Lord. But you will miss the blessing if you don't choose to surrender. You know, John Paul Jackson, I know some of you are familiar with him. He was in the mid 90s, really, he's passed away now. But I took a class on the art of hearing God way back in the day. And one of his big messages is, there are times in our lives that circumstances set us up to where God is wanting to teach and impart something with us. And if we don't take advantage of it, it's not that he's like, oh, sorry, forget it. You're not going to get that, you know, character-building situation for another 15 years. It's, that's not his heart. But sometimes circumstances are built around us a time when he's wanting to deposit something in our hearts that it just may not be there. And I remember Hawaii so many times being like, okay, this is an opportunity. This specific situation may never happen in my life again. Am I going to yield to the Lord or am I going to just do it my own way and manipulate my way out of stuff, control myself, worry, have anxiety? I remember one summer in Hawaii, I didn't sleep the whole summer. I'm being a little dramatic, but not really. I would wake up almost every night, and I would lose sleep out of worrying, out of not wanting to surrender something. It's not really the life we want, guys. We want the life of, in Romans, the life of the Spirit is life and peace. And that's a good gauge. Isn't that one of your life verses, Jamie? Yes, I remember that. So once you let go of something, that person that you really don't want to forgive, you're surrendering them to the Lord, the hurt you have. Where you thought your life was going to be. Where you thought your life at this age, 25, 35, 55, 85, this is not what I thought it was going to be, Lord. And you surrender that and see what he shows you. Ann Voskamp has a great quote I have on my computer because when I first read I was like, oh, this is so me. What messes our life up most is the expectation of what we thought our life was supposed to look like. We, everyone in this room could tell, I thought I was going to be this. I thought I was going to have this many kids. I thought um, my career would be here. I thought my marriage would look like this. I thought my house was going to look like this. I thought I was going to live here. I mean, we all have different stories, right? And when we surrender to the Lord, I do believe he has our best in mind. Even when we can't understand. You know, Bill Johnson says, if you want to experience the peace that surpasses understanding, you first have to give up your right to understand. We are not going to understand everything. And I'm sorry to say that, but we aren't. There are things we're not going to understand on this side of heaven. And, you know, we think we're going to have our list. When we get there, we're not going to care. We're not going to go, hey, that time in 2016, why did that happen? We really aren't. But when we give up our right to understand, we trust that his ways are higher. Isaiah says, your ways are higher than my, your, your ways, your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. As high as the heavens are from the earth, 
That's how high your thoughts are from mine. You're most wise, intelligent. You know, have you ever had a thought that comes out and you're like, wow, that's not wise. Where did that come from? I mean, your most moment like that when you think, where did that come from? That's, that's ignorance of the Father because he's so much wiser, guys. He knows you're behind. He knows your, what happened yesterday. He knows what happened to you six months ago. He knows what happened to you at school that you think no one saw. He knows what happened to you when you were a child. He knows your future. He's sovereign. He is in control. And surrender is part of trusting the Lord. And that's why we feel so passionate about it, me and Conan. Um, because we've, we, we've had opportunities to surrender. Rick Warren, we, we love Rick Warren. Um, Conan's already um, mentioned him. His book, Purpose Driven Life, we used so many times in Hawaii to bridge the gap, just to get people interested. You know, like, everybody wants a purpose, and then they're like, oh, you're going to talk about God, you know? But um, we love Rick Warren. He has some great points on surrender that I'm going to go through, and I'm just going to give personal testimonies as we kind of end today. Surrendering your life means, number one, trusting God's purpose without understanding the circumstances. I already kind of mentioned that about Bill Johnson saying we have to, we have to give up the right to understand. Um, I always wanted to be a medical missionary since I was probably in junior high and first exposed at the church I grew up to. It was very missions-oriented, and I um, wanted to be a medical missionary. Went to college, got a nursing degree, moved to St. Louis pretty quick, St. Louis, Missouri, pretty quick after graduation, so I probably was 21, um, to join a to go up there and get it, I had got a nursing job and I was going to join a church that um, would gather people and send out teams. Similar to Christ Fellowship in a sense. Um, it was more of an internship kind of deal. And we had, I did a summer internship there one summer. So I get up there. My mom moves me up there. We're um, literally, I'm, I'm taking, about to take her to the airport for her to fly home. And I, we get a phone call from my dad and saying, uh, Lindy, I just got noticed in the mail that she failed her nursing boards. And I'm like, I fill my nursing boards? I'm like, I can't fill my nursing boards. I mean, I have a nursing job. I graduated with honors. I've always wanted to be a nurse. I mean, I, how can I fill my nursing boards? And it was one of those moments. I'm 21. She's literally in a, I mean, we're, we're, I'm taking her to the airport. She's in tears. I'm in tears. I'm like, what am I going to do? I have rent. It's the first time on my own. So uh, my nursing job, my RN job turned into a nursing aid job. And I got a job as a waitress, which was a whole other experience, and um, took it a second time. And then in, while I was taking the second test, I started getting anxious. And I, I started figuring out, this is the first year they did um, the NCLEX, which is an RN test on the computer. And I could tell when I missed a question, it would kind of glitch. And I'd be like, oh, I missed a question. And I literally just had got so anxious into the test, and I knew I had failed. And of course, everybody's like, you didn't fail, you didn't fail. I'm like, no, I really, I really think I failed, and I failed. So now I'm in St. Louis, and I'm like, okay, this is not what I thought was going to work out. I end up, for different circumstances, moving back to Texas, taking the boards a third time, was in the six-period waiting period for um, the results. And I still remember I was living with my best friend in an apartment. I remember the moment I surrendered the nursing thing. I'm on my knee, I, I still remember it, and just going, okay, maybe I heard you wrong, but I trust you more with my career. 
If I'm not supposed to be a nurse, you have something better for me, Lord. And I give up. And if I don't pass these boards, because back then, if you fell three times, you, 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 were, you had to go back to school. And I was not going to go back to school. I knew that. And I remember just surrendering it. So much of the fact of um, this was a season we were all learning about the Holy Spirit. We were going to these conferences where these prophets would call people out and like read their mail. And it was like amazing. And we went to a conference and all my friends were like, you're going to, they're going to call you out. And I, you know, I was waiting for Paul Kane to be, arise, I see scrubs on you. You're going to be a nurse, you know? And it was like, and I didn't get called out, but I was, I was resolved. I'd resolved in my heart that it was okay. My mom went to a prayer meeting and my mom and dad were learning to how that God, God speaks to us and he, he gives us visions and it's for our encouragement and our building up. And she called me and she's like, I saw, Lindy, I saw a chalkboard and it said she passed. I know without a doubt that you passed your nursing boards. And I was like, and that's a big deal for my mom. My mom, it wasn't like that was a normal, you know, had conversation and I saw an open vision about you. And so I was like, thanks, mom. And I totally received encouragement. But down in my heart, I was like, but it's okay. If I don't pass, it's okay. And I was so resolved with that. And what happened, I passed. I, I, I passed the nursing boards. But I'll tell you what that did for me. That experience marked me. I don't think a day ever went when I wasn't walking in the hospital, whether it was in Abilene, Texas, or down here at Cook's, that I did not just be like, Lord, I'm here because of you. That, that was such a humbling experience for me. Lord, I'm a nurse because of you. And I just I pray you use me and my weaknesses today to, to bless somebody. I mean, it just marked me forever. My confidence was in him and not in my nursing skills. And so that was the blessing I received from that, right? The second point. A surrendered life means waiting for God's timing without knowing when it will come. I had to wait for a husband. I didn't have to wait as long as Conan had to wait. He was 39 when we met, and I was 29. So 29 may seem, well, hey, that's young. It, it is young in many aspects. In the day, though, my, a lot of my friends were getting married, and they had their first round of kids. And I was like, well, wait. And then they had their second round. I'm like, Oh, I want to raise kids with you guys. you got to find me a husband. And um, y'all are supposed to laugh. The first service laughed on that one. So um, I surrendered it, and it was hard. And it was interesting because Conan surrendered. We both have similar time frames. About six months before we met, we both had this God moment. Conan was 39 and just been like, I'm done with the dating. Lord, if I'm supposed to be single. I was 29. Um, Lord... I'm not supposed to get married. And I was so resolved in my heart when someone came and said, hey, I have this great guy I want to set you up with. He was like my 17th blind date, and I'm not kidding. I don't know if people just like wanted to set me up. But like, I was like, no, 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 I'm all good. I really don't need, I was on staff at church. I was working at Cook's. I mean, it was a life group. Life was great. I was like, I don't need any drama. I don't need trauma. I'm just, I'm good, you know. And um, praise the Lord. I mean, this person kept persisting, and I was like, okay. And I'm so glad I went. But I'm so glad I waited for God's timing for a husband. I want to speak that to the youth. You know, just God's timing is perfect. It is seriously perfect. On, on a spouse is such a, I mean, I, didn't, I don't want to go off on this. But, I mean, huge, huge decision in our lives. And like Conan said, he wasn't like, when I met him, he wasn't like, hey, we're going to Africa next week. But I knew his heart. And I knew if God ever told Conan to go to Africa, he would. Because his heart was surrendered. And that's what you look for, is someone's heart. Number three, 
A surrendered life means following God's lead without knowing where he's sending you. You Notice all these are withouts. I mean, I hate to tell you the truth, but there, there's a level of faith and trust that comes when you surrender. I would never in a million years, if you told me I was going to move to Hawaii, never. I mean, I was set for Africa. Um, we got married. I was still set for somewhere. We, a bunch of our friends, the Albrights and the Giles and the Tubbs and the Pinningtons and the Masseys, we all kind of gathered in, before James and Laura married, I guess that was, and started the training school, and we were all going to go on a team, and people were sent out to, to Thailand, and we went to Thailand, it's like, no, that's not where we're supposed to go, and should we go to Europe, and we're like, no, and so then we're in Hearst, we're living three blocks behind my parents, which is where I grew up, the church is in Grapevine, and the church is now going to transition to Fort Worth, and I'm like, oh, we're going to get to move to Fort Worth on mission, and Condon's like, no, I, no, I don't think we're supposed to sell our house, I'm like, are you kidding me? I can't even go 20 minutes. Like, my friends are going all over the world, and I've had a heart for missions for all these years, and I'm going to stay here in Hearst. I love my parents. I love being behind them three blocks, but that was not my plan. That was not my plan. Hearst, Texas. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Seriously. And I remember, and I laugh at it now, but, guys, it was not, a, it was a hard, it was a hard one. And I remember the ladies' retreat before all, all of those teams were sent out. And I literally remember, I don't know if anybody else remembers, but I literally was on the ground, I think for four to five hours, just crying and just like giving it up and going, I give up. I thought I was supposed to be part of the nations in, in the sense of being sent. And I guess not. And I surrender that to you, Lord. And I say, you have something better for me. And I trust you in this. And I stood up from that cross session and, and, and then battling with the Lord, like, okay, no, I mean, what Jesus did, not my will, is there any other way? I mean, it's back and forth. And I was resolved. Again, that's what surrender will do to you. It will resolve you. So much of the fact that I was able to sit out my friends on the mission filled with joy and not with bitterness and jealousy and frustration, I mean, really be able to send them out. So, so much, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't do the timeline, but I was sitting there thinking, I think that was like in a, the, the spring, people were being sent out, and then Conan comes, we um, were eating New Year's Day with Brent and Vicky when Conan, in casual conversation, we were eating Thai food, he's like, hey, did I tell you the word God gave me? I'm like, no. Right in front of Brent and Vicky, I'm like, no. He's like, well, I really feel like the Lord said if by 45, we're either going to be settled here or we're going to be somewhere. I'm like, and then that March is when Brent and Vicky went to Juarez, I got the word, and so, I mean, God's timing was so perfect, but we both had yielded, you know, he yielded, hey, Lord, if you're going to send me, on our honeymoon, I asked him, he was like, no way, what would I do here, you know, that was his response, and I don't know if you know, Connor went as an engineer, he did not, we did not, I mean, he did not go on staff or anything, he worked, and um, but God provided, and it looked different than we ever would have thought, right? Number four is we know we're surrendering or expecting a miracle without knowing how God will provide. God wants to provide in so many creative ways, guys. It does not look the same for your neighbor as it looks for you. And I, and I put God in a box. I really do. I think, well, he provided this way, so he's for sure going to provide that way. Look, and it's going to look exactly that way. And it's not always the case. And he wants to provide for us financially, emotionally, spiritually, that person that you think is going to be 
you know, the person that's really going to pour into you spiritually? It may be. It's probably someone else. Because normally things are not, don't turn out the way we thought they were. And it's not because God like, wants to trick us. It's because he has our best in mind when we surrender our lives to him. I want to end on one story that I just think it brings God glory. When we were in Hawaii, we, at some point, we decided we were going to try to buy a house, which is kind of funny because I don't know if we could afford a house. I mean, the house is really expensive in Hawaii. But we, 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 ended our, we were going to end our lease with one place and look for another, and our landlord would not let us go month to month. And because we were paying so much in rent, we were like, hey, that's just not wise use of our money. We'll go find somewhere else to live. If we have to live in an apartment until we find a house. Well, in the, in the process of looking for another place, on Craigslist, we found this. It's called, it was, the, the title was a Historical Hawaiian Plantation. And we were like, oh my goodness. And it was cheaper than what we were paying in rent. We're like, what's wrong with this? You're living with like six families. So we go up to look at this incredible place. Really, we were like, there's got to be a catch. We go up and look. And the only reason on Craigslist is because the guy who lived in the maid's quarters, it literally was a historical Hawaiian home. It was the governor's estate before Hawaii became a state in the U.S. Um, so he was looking for a roommates, and he put on Craigslist. And it was between us and um, some college cheerleaders, and so they ended up picking us. Um, but um, the rent was un- unbelievable. The house was unbelievable. We had ocean view. It was literally up the hill from our church. A lot of people there live in small apartments. They don't have yards. We were able just to, like, host stuff, and it was such a blessing. We saw God do so many awesome things. Remember the first time Jamie and Kim came? We had a lunch there, and or maybe, I don't know if you were with me the first time, and uh, we all had lunch at our house, and it's about two, and Jamie's like, so, you know, I'm like, oh, these people are not leaving. Like, people are, like, laying out on the grass. They're, like, starting to take a nap, and Jay, I'm like, seriously, they'll be here through dinner. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, just wait. I mean, literally, Connor would be sometimes be like, Okay, I got to work in the morning. I'm going to bed. See you guys. I mean, people just love to hang out at our house because I really believe it's the Lord. He, he drew people to that house because his presence was there. And so we moved back to Texas a year ago. And in the back of my mind, I was always like, my husband, Conan, he's still working for the same company in Hawaii. He's working remotely here. And I always in the back of my mind was like, well, you know, Conan could. We could go back to Hawaii at some point, maybe, if the Lord calls us. And but the house, I wonder if. I wonder about the house. You know, it's always like a, it's a house available. And we went back in December, and we were able to see the people that um, were renting it after us and found out that our landlord, from the time we moved till then, had got it appraised for $10 million, the house we lived in. Yeah, y'all can all say wow. I mean, we will never live in a $10 million house ever again. And we were leaving. We were just like, $10 million. We were just overwhelmed. Like, we got to live in this house for this long. And it wasn't a sadness. It was more like, look what God did. Because she raised the rent like triple when she found out it was worth $10 million than what we paid, right? And so we're leaving. And we're just like, look. I mean, we were walking up the driveway. And I'm, I, I heard the Lord say, Lindy, I, I blinded her to the value of this house so that you guys could have it for six years. But it's, it's, the season's over. And it wasn't as sad, like, the season's over, get out. I mean, it was more like, the season's over and it's okay. And God provided guys for us beyond what we could ever imagine. And I do believe part of that was because of trying to, just trying to surrender. There's been so many times we haven't surrendered. There's been so many times I've surrendered and I thought, gosh, I should have done this six months ago. 
What, what, what would it look like if I'd done this a year ago? What would have caught it? And even each of us had never surrendered our hearts to God's plan. We never would have got to experience what we got to experience in Hawaii. And so God wants to come today. I want to go and ask the worship team to come up. Something I want to just talk about real quick while they're getting set up. We're going to do a little different today from ministry. And this last slide says, freedom always follows surrender. Freedom always follows surrender. And whether that's a little surrender or whether that's a big surrender, God is there to meet you. You know, Joyce Meyer, she always talks about how we live in a drive-through society. We, you know, we want our hamburgers or our burritos or whatever. And spiritually, sometimes we want drive-through. We want to, I want a breakthrough from this. I have to wait five minutes? What are you talking about? I mean, and I'm, if you know me by nature, I am so about God coming and bringing breakthrough. I've seen God deliver, and he's delivered me in quick ways. But he also works many times when you have to keep coming back like Jesus did. Guys, he was sorrowful. In Luke, it says he was so sorrowful that he sweated drips of blood. That can physically happen when you are under very intense straining and stress. And he had to go three times. The Son of God had to go back and say, okay, I surrender. Okay, I surrender. Okay, I surrender. And if he had to do it three times, you think there's not going to be times in our lives where we have to keep coming back and keep circling and saying, God, I trust you. Help me surrender this. God, I trust you. Help me surrender this. I thought I gave this up last week, but here it is again. I give it to you again, and I give it to you again. And we keep at it. We do not give up. Because the Spirit of God will come upon you. In Luke, it says an angel came and ministered to, the, to Jesus and strengthened him. God always provides what we need. And it most of the time looks differently than what you think it's going to look like. So they're going to sing a song. What I want you to do, I just want you to get in a position to receive. You can stand, you can sit, you can kneel. Just open your hands. And just ask the Lord, Lord, what is it right now that I need to surrender, that I'm holding on so tight and I'm so tired of holding on to it? And if you aren't hearing anything, ask again, because there is something. Jonathan's going to sing this song. And just let the words come over you. Really, I really do believe God is wanting to, to really help people surrender today.